Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join guest minister Keith Hershey for today's message. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad uh, you're in church today? Aren't you glad there's a place called Liberty? Aren't you glad uh, you're free? Aren't you glad for a new facility? Aren't you just glad you're alive? Aren't you glad that... uh, I heard yesterday uh, that the, uh, the vehicle on the lake collapsed or crashed or sank or the river or whatever, and hallelujah. There, there is a breakthrough, hallelujah, uh, in your life. Summer has come, but uh, we're honored to be here. Thank you for your kindness, for your friendship all these years. I've known your pastors uh, for many, many, many years, and uh, we're just so glad uh, for the privilege of coming. Thank you for the invitation to be with you all. And, Whether you know it or not, I know the church prays for us and supports the work of mutual faith. So in a very real way, we're an extension of your love and your life in other places on the planet. And uh, so thank you for being you and thank you for being planted in this place. Thank you that uh, your heart is open to God's love for you and you just have boldness to believe it. You know, I always tell people whether you know it or not or whether you believe it or not or whether you like it or not, God loves you completely. And you just can't get away from that truth. It's going to hound you. It's going to follow you every day of your life. And uh, one of these days, uh, you'll just yield to the massive love of the Father. And you'll finally get comfortable with believing that you're good to God because of the Lamb. And you're not good to God because of you. And the day that happens, it's thrilling. Most people struggle. Most people live with condemnation, shame, and judgment. But you're good to God because of the Lamb. I love preaching that. Do you know Jesus is God's opinion of you? If you could believe that, you would like yourself. You would enjoy your own company. If you could believe that, you wouldn't be so hard on other people. You wouldn't have such judgments and condemnation that we throw around so loosely and so religiously. But the love of the Father is astonishing, and that's why I really, I love this week. I was never, uh, I don't think your pastor planned it intentionally that I'd be here on Palm Sunday weekend, but I'm so glad it's arranged this way because I love this season, this this week. You know, all the different campuses you saw around the world. Heidi and I have been at this a long time, 30 years. This is our 30th year. In fact, there's a little magazine out there. Make sure you get one. This is a picture of Heidi and I when we started... uh, Actually, before we launched Mutual Faith, we lived overseas the first year of our marriage, and we were in Zimbabwe, Africa, in this photo, and I look at her, and I think, man, she looks like she's a teenager, and I still look the same, of course, but anyway, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's wonderful that, you know, you look through life, and you see, you know, the different centers, the different campuses all over the world, and then our most recent one you saw in Beirut, Lebanon, we've just come from there about three weeks ago, just to think that... Uh, you know, you go to the Middle East, you hear all the horror and all the shame, all the difficulty, all the problems with, you know, Islam and Hezbollah or whatever, all the chaos. And yet I go there and all I see is the love of the Father. I see all the Muslim people coming to Life Center USA and we just tell them what's right about them, not, not what's wrong about them. I've always uh, been a firm believer, you know, that to, me, to, to, to make friends so people listen to you. Don't tell them what's wrong with them. They already know. They already know. Why pile on? I always tell people what's right about them. That's what shocks them. That's the treasure of their redeemed innocence. 
And then if they can believe it, they step into a whole new realm of life. It's called in Christ. It's thrilling. It's astonishing. So when I'm in the Middle East, it's the same way. I never tell people what's wrong with them. I tell people what's right about them. And you know what? They believe and receive the love of the Father. And it changes everything about them. So this is what we do in our mission work. And uh, so make sure you get that little, little magazine and, and, and pray for us. But uh, you saw in the video, we've been astonished again with a new facility in America. It's always been a dream of, of Heidi and I to have Life Center USA and to have a campus that's reflective of missions ministry around the world. And so this facility uh, came available uh, in the Los Angeles area it's in a town called San Fernando. And um, uh, last August, the last week of August, uh, I learned about it and my heart got happy and uh, we moved forward in faith and God surprised us and uh, we were able to buy this building through the court systems. It was a bankruptcy situation. In L.A., it's very difficult to buy, you know, to buy 10 square feet. You know, it's so expensive. It's, it's insane. But uh, the Lord was so faithful to us. And so the deal closed, I think, on uh, December 6th. And then I had a swing loan to get the deal together. And then on February 14th, uh, we got a permanent loan, so we're in the deal. Now we're building it out just like y'all. What I like about being here now is we're on parallel paths in terms of stepping in to environments to display the love of the Father for our community, for our world, for our cultures, for the people groups in, in our lives. And that's what's so beautiful. Yesterday, after the uh, wonderful time together at the uh, you know, marriage uh, seminar, uh, Heidi and I were able to explore the new facility and just, I love, I love Menominee, I love the community, I love the town, I love the college uh, environment, I love the restaurants, I love, I love everything. Uh, the shops, I, I, I could just walk and be happy, I love the lake, I love the, I love, I love where God has planted uh, liberty and I'm excited about the new building, what's going to happen there. So you ought to just be thrilled that uh, God's uh, surprised your pastors with the facility, that the season is right, the season is now. And you're going to be surprised. I really believe, I really believe with all my heart, you're going to be surprised at the astonishment that's going to filter through the hearts of the people through this region as they filter in and be thrilled with God's great love for them. So get ready for new things, new, uh, new excitement in your own life, in your own heart. And I think you'll find uh, a little bit through what I teach today how, how what I'm going to share is going to be kind of tied in to what you're stepping into as a, as a group uh, of God's precious saints. So anyway, hey, let me just say too, you know, this is Palm Sunday. Next weekend, as Pastor Paul said, of course, we celebrate the risenness of Jesus Christ. We are victorious because of him. We are alive because of him. And if you can think in terms that you've identified with him in his death, that's pretty cool. You've identified him with him in his burial and in his risenness. We're seated technically in Christ in heavenly places. It's, uh, it's really amazing your position before the Father. You really look good to God because of the Lamb, not because of you. And uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the good news. So anyway, this morning before uh, we, we came to the first service, um, I was looking at Facebook because I always put a post on the love of the Father on my uh, pe Facebook page and, and just try to encourage people. Uh, and that's, that's kind of all I do. Heidi, now, if you really want all the good news about life, 
you know, follow her. She's got the pictures and all the information. I'm just the boring old love gospel preacher. That's all I am. And I just say, little children love one another. That's, that's, but uh, anyway, Facebook's kind of fun because you can follow up with people that you don't see often. But I noticed this morning that in Beirut, Lebanon, at our Life Center campus, they had a donkey on Palm Sunday and hundreds of people marching down the main part of Beirut, Lebanon, there where we're at in the city, waving palm branches, reenacting the event. And, of course, it astonishes the community. It was, hey, what's going on? And then it becomes a point to, uh, you know, for people to, to see Jesus and point to the Lamb of God, the one who was qualified for you so you and I can be accepted eternally before the Father. And so it was really, really thrilling, and we're just excited about what God's doing all over the place. I got good news for you today. We don't have a donkey here. Uh, well, maybe we do. Who knows, you know. Uh, so we're not going to march down Main Street. But that would be kind of cool, huh? We could, does anybody have a donkey on their farm that we could borrow or something? And uh, Heidi was telling me this morning, she says, man, we ought to do that in Los Angeles. We ought to get us a donkey at the New Life Center USA. And I said, Heidi, uh, bless you. Praise the Lord. Help her, Lord. Um, but uh, it would be kind of kind of cool you know just to surprise people with some type of astonishing thing it's it's what I want to talk to you about today I want to talk to you about that event that happened in the life of Jesus the Palm Sunday in fact it's recorded in John chapter 12 beginning in verse 12 the whole story unfolds but you got to remember Jesus came to the earth for this purpose, to go to the cross, and he knew it. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, there's a conversation recorded in Hebrews chapter 10. It's actually in verse 9, and it says, Jesus uh, said to the Father, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Now, that's kind of a cool thing. Jesus says to the Father, Behold, I've come to do your will, O God. And then the very next phrase says, To take away the first, to establish the second see the will of God for Jesus in the earth is to give you a deal that's astonishing Jesus came to go to the cross to get you out of a system that has anything to do with you see Jesus was born under the law Galatians says and Jesus actually preached the law in fact Jesus preached the law on steroids Jesus preached the law to a degree to show everybody that they needed him some could see it some could not but Jesus wouldn't say, you know, Jesus would say things like, you have heard it was said, thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, he, he was preaching the Ten Commandments, the law. But then he would say, but I say unto you, oh no, he who looks at a woman improperly has committed adultery. Well, what a bummer. You know, in other words, to commit adultery in Jesus' definition is not the physical act, it's just the wrong look. Then Jesus would say, you've heard it said about, you know, murder. Thou shalt not commit murder. But I say unto you, if you're angry at a brother without cause, you're guilty. What a bummer. Jesus is trying to show us all that we're guilty. How many know how guilty you are? I definitely know how guilty I am because the scripture goes on to say, if you've missed it in one point, you're guilty of the whole load. Man, why's it got to be so strict so you don't depend on yourself? And see, when you're honest with yourself according to the old system, you can be thankful for the new. So again, Jesus came, 
His purpose on earth was to get you out of a system that has anything to do with you and put you in a system called the new covenant of unmerited grace that has to do strictly with him. So faith gets you out of yourself and puts you into himself. See, most people think their position before the Father is based on them. So it's a dreadful thought to ever appear before him. Like, dear God, is there any hope for me? You know, I can't qualify on my best day. And I know it. So I realize that my only hope before the Father, it's got to have nothing to do with me. Thank God for the Lamb. Faith gets me out of myself and puts me in Him. I'm in Himself. I'm in Christ. So now God sees me through the lens of the Lamb. I'm good to God because of the Lamb. Jesus is God's opinion of me. I like it. And this is why the Scripture talks about Jesus is your righteousness. Jesus is your sanctification, which simply means holiness. Jesus is your redemption. Jesus is your wisdom. Jesus really is your everything. And so the beauty of being a believer is resting in the fact that he loves me completely. He accepts me as I am, not as I need to be. And so if I can just come in and take my place in Christ... As I behold him, as I look to him, I'm transformed into his very likeness. Now, that may take a lifetime. It may take more than a lifetime. In fact, I'm believing (laughs) the older I get that as long as I have an earth suit, I better be looking to the lamb. Hmm? Because my earth suit, just sin is in my flesh. And unfortunately, it thrives, you know. If my, if, you know, anger, frustration. You know, the Bible says whatever is not a faith is sin. What a bummer. You know, the Bible says that if you know to do good and don't do it, it's a sin. What a bummer. So I realize as long as I'm in an earth suit, I can't qualify because I'm just not perfect 24-7. I wish I had perfect discipline and perfect whatever and perfect manners. I don't. I'm extremely human. But I've recognized the wonderful revelation that my acceptance before the Father has nothing to do with me. It has to do with a lamb of God, and now I'm addicted to this consuming love. And it's absolutely magnificent. It's what we love to declare all over the world. But when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem on that faithful day to get us out of the old system, to put us in a new system, everybody didn't get it. And everybody didn't like it. See, you get it and you gain the glory and the goodness and the, and the, and the, and the fragrance of the love of the Father when you see Jesus Clearly, you got to have the right spiritual optics. Notice I, I found my uh, glasses this morning in my suitcase. I was looking for them the last couple of days at the, at the marriage gathering because I carry a little Bible that I can't read the print anymore. So I need, uh, I need to either get a bigger Bible with bigger print or carry my iPad and preach from that like uh, your pastor does. He is so sophisticated and so technically equipped I, am, I, I, I just need massive help in life. Anyway, uh, look, at, look at the story. In fact, I'll tell you the story. Read it yourself this week. It'll be a good week to read it. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. It's Palm Sunday. And uh, a lot of people get excited because they see Jesus as the Savior. They see him as their solution. They see him as the Messiah. And so the Bible said they would line the street. Think about it. It's like lining Main Street in Menominee. 
And they're lining Main Street. They got palm branches. Of course, here they probably have some other kind of branch, you know, with uh, whatever the trees are, uh, you know, in the community. But they're lining the trees with these palm branches. And here Jesus comes riding on a donkey. And many are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who's coming in the name of the Lord. They got excited based on what they saw. But everybody doesn't get excited when they think or hear of Jesus. Isn't that true? It's like in your community. In some places you can't say the name. In some places, you can't, you can't, you, they think you're a nut if you talk about the love of the lamb. You know, if you talk about Jesus, you got to be an idiot or you, you need a crutch or you're crazy or something. But that's okay because people just don't see him clearly. There was another group of people. In fact, this is where I want to pick up. Look at verse 19 of John 12. The Bible says the Pharisees, those are the religious do-gooders. Those are the people of the old game that were always trying to qualify based on performance, based on behavioral modification, based on being good enough. And see, religion will always try to make you qualify based on behavioral modification. A lot of religious worldviews make you think you're only righteous if you're perfect enough in and of yourself. But thank God Jesus got us out of that game. I've realized I can never qualify that way. Never when I'm honest with the, with the strictness of, 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 of the old system or, or the law. So these Pharisees said among themselves, see they're not, they're not lining the parade route saying hallelujah. They're standing at a distance with judgment. See people who always their mouths and worldviews are filled with judgment, they haven't been radically stunned with the love of the Father. It doesn't saturate through them. They're not really thrilled with their position before the Father because they've never fully taken their place in the revelation of this kind of dramatic love. So look at it. It says, The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. I tell you, when people turn to Jesus and get absolutely loaded with the love of the Father in Christ, people, people don't get it. So it's interesting to me that some people were offended because of Jesus. Some people were excited about Jesus. Let me ask you, how warm has your heart felt with the love of the Father recently? Do, do, does it move you? Does it do anything? Does it stir your spirit? Does it, does it, does it make you uh, do, uh, act crazy, so to speak? Let, let, let me explain what I mean. Look at the next verse. It says, verse 20. Now there were certain Greeks... Greeks now, not Jewish guys. Remember, the covenant of the old system was for the Israel people, the Jewish people. But the new game isn't exclusive. It's inclusive. It's for everybody. So Jesus is setting up a system that's for everyone everywhere. He's setting up a system that's for the whole world. So it says, now, therefore, the certain, certain Greeks, everybody say Greeks. In other words, these are the Gentile people. These are the outsiders, not the insiders. Certain Greeks among those who came up to, to worship at the feast, at the celebration, they came to Philip, who was from beside of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I love that phrase. When has the last time your heart is craved, we would see Jesus? I'd love to see Jesus. Now, the way you seem is going to determine uh, how, you, how you respond to him. We would see Jesus. So what they wanted to do was meet him. So two of the disciples, look at it, it says in the next verse. Verse 22, Philip came and told Andrew, another disciple, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So they went in together and told Jesus, and hey, Jesus, there's a group of people that want to see you, but uh, Jesus, uh, they're Gentiles. 
The Greeks are not Jews. They're Gentiles. They're outsiders. See, Peter later talked about in the book of Acts that uh, according to the law, he's not even supposed to have uh, fellowship with the outsiders. He's not even supposed to meet with Gentiles. And God had to change his worldview. Remember that in Acts 10? Through a vision, huh? In a trance, he saw that heavenly picnic, that meal that came down and the assignment, rise, kill, and eat. Not so, Lord. I'm not going to touch nothing that's dirty. And God would say, what I've cleansed, don't you call dirty. See, most people have a worldview of calling what God has cleaned already dirty. That's why I refuse to preach to people what's wrong with them. I preach to them God's perspective. What's right about them, you're clean through the lamb. You just got to believe it. And come in and receive of the goodness of God. Then Peter later said in that chapter, don't you know, when he was with the Gentiles, he said, don't you know it's unlawful for me to even fellowship with you? This is how strict religion is. It puts you segments with such judgments against people, but then the whole Holy Spirit, because of the meal Peter dined on in his vision, he realized everyone's clean before the Lord, and faith can get you out of the identity of yourself into the identity of being in Christ Jesus. So here's what's interesting to me. When they came and told Jesus in verse 22, verse 23 says, Jesus answered them saying, the hour of the Son of Man uh, has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now think about this. If you come to me after the service, let's say Pastor Paul comes to me and says, hey, Keith, there's some people out in the lobby. They'd really like to meet you. You know what I'd probably say? Oh, I can't go see just anybody. I'm such a holy man of God. I got to. I got to protect myself. You know what I'm doing? My person, I see every, anybody, everybody in any place. I'm just a common guy who's preaching the love of the Father. I go out. You know, if I come out in the lobby and you want to see me, I'll show you me physically. That's what they wanted Jesus. Just come out and shake hands, hug, kiss babies, whatever. Touch me, heal me, pray, pray whatever. That's what they, they wanted to see Jesus. But Jesus in his response didn't talk about showing them his physical self. Jesus responded by talking about his death, his spiritual assignment. Here's the thing. If you see Jesus just according to his physical life, you can know that God is good to you because his life displays the love of the Father in the sense that God is good to you. But if you see Jesus according to his death, you can know that you are good to God. Why did Jesus respond this way to Gentiles? Jesus was trying to show his disciples and trying to show the world that what he's doing is for everyone everywhere. And that if you can see Jesus according to the cross, if you can see Jesus in his death, this is where love grips you. The Bible says that God's love is demonstrated not fully in his life. God's love is demonstrated fully in his death. God demonstrates his love toward us while we are what? At our worst. Yet in his Christ died for us. And the beautiful thing about seeing Jesus in his death, this is where there's a whole new worldview for transformation. For example, in the Middle East, uh, when we were just there, we did a lot of ministry to the Syrian Muslims. We have so many refugees there. And so many times we feed uh, many families and, and do little programs to explain the love of the Father. And so I would go from table to table and shake people's hands and talk with them and learn about all the, the chaos from the war in Syria and why they came and hear such horror stories. And of course, everybody's broke. Nobody has money. People pile up in little rooms, you know, about as big as a, you know, a stage sometimes. And, you know, 12, 15 people living and just stacked in together and 
can't afford things. And so we, we feed people. We give them food. We clothe them. We have a whole center there that just focuses on that. But when I talk with all these precious people, you know what I found out? That many of these precious Muslim people know a lot about Jesus. They know, about, they know Bible stories. They know about his life. But it's interesting to me, the people that know Jesus according to his life, they've not been transformed. You know what's amazing to me? When you talk to people about the death of Jesus and show them the good to God because of the Lamb, then suddenly they say, wow, you've got to be kidding me. That's kind of cool. That takes the pressure off. You mean I'm good to God not based on my work and my performance and praying enough and doing enough and fasting enough. You're good to God because of the Lamb. And so when you explain Jesus in his death, they see something differently. And then love is displayed. And you know what they do? Faith comes in their heart and they believe. They receive. They're transferred out of darkness into light by believing, by faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what I believe Jesus is trying to say on this Palm Sunday, he's trying to show people what I'm getting ready to do is make a new and living way, a new access of your understanding to the Father through the death and risenness of Jesus Christ. And this is why it's important to see Jesus properly, not just according to his life, but to see Jesus according to his death. That's why the cross has to be in every equation of your life. If you want to write solution. That's why Paul the Apostle, when you study the epistles, when you study Paul's writings, he was addicted to the love of the Lamb. He said, I know nothing except Jesus and Him crucified. So have the cross in every equation, even in every interpretation of every scripture. Otherwise, you will misinterpret the heart of the Father. And you'll put a lot of burden on yourself, a lot of drudgery on people, and you'll live with a lot of judgment toward others. But when you view everybody through the lens of the Lamb, then suddenly... Everything about your world can change. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus tells a parable that's kind of cool. It's in verse 44. Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. <laughs> How many like the word treasure? I do. I, I, I like treasure. Uh, the kingdom of heaven's a treasure, okay? It's hidden in a field. Notice the treasure of what Jesus has done for you is hidden. It's hidden in his death. It's not revealed fully in his life. It's hidden in his death. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. We all kind of like treasure. Don't you like a nice things? You like a new outfit? You like a new car, a new truck, a new tractor, a new house, a new something? Yeah. Little, little things. You know, um, when, when Heidi and I got married, we were at Bible school. And I was uh, just going there to study the Bible because I was just such a holy man of God. I didn't, I didn't have any time to look for a wife. I wasn't interested. But one day, I got my eyes off the scripture and just looked up and I said, my, 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 my. Woo, glory. Anyway, I saw Heidi and I really kind of liked her. And, uh, and I liked her according to her life. Hallelujah. Huh? I said, woo, she's a pretty girl. And all these things. And so anyway, we got acquainted. We fell in love. We, you know... Uh, but, but, but Heidi's never been one. She likes little treasures, little goodies, but, but she's never, you know, I've never been able to buy her like nice things, like real massively expensive ring. Even when we were married, when Heidi, when Heidi met me, I was making $500 a month. So she never married me for my money. When, when, when we got married, I was driving a 1966 Olds 98. 
The car was as long as this auditorium. It was like my Batmobile, you know what I mean? I told people it was my Sunday school bus. And I would go out on the streets, you know, and find drunks and bums and people who were seemingly losers, and I'd tell them they're winners. I'd, I'd tell them what's right about them, throw them in my car, haul them to church. And that's how I started in ministry, you know, on the streets, under trees, whatever. But uh, Heidi's never, ever, never really, uh, uh, you know, demanded. She just likes, likes nice little things, not just, you know, in fact, she likes costume jewelry. Thank you, Jesus, you know. Like, we're in little stores, and she sees something for $5. Oh, I really like this. I said, buy it. Please, please buy it. It's $5. Hallelujah. Anyway, but, you know, through the years now of all these years of marriage, it were 31 and a half years or so of marriage, but, you know, I bought her nicer things, uh, uh, earrings and uh, bracelets and whatever through the years when I could. But um, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. But see, most treasures don't have to be expensive. Most treasures are just something that's got your heart. I tell people some of my greatest treasures cost nothing. If you come to my office, I can pull out a drawer by my desk. And I got little pictures my kids drew for me when they're like little And it, it, just, it, just, it just grabs my heart every time I look at them, you know. It's a treasure. Now, if I had a yard sale and tried to sell these pictures, nobody would give 25 cents for them. But you couldn't buy them from me for $1,000. No, maybe for a couple thousand, I'd think. Oh, no, I would But anyway. <laughs> no. But see, the, the value of a treasure is what grabs your heart. And see, the love of the Father's got to grip your heart. And, 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 and you, know, you know it when it's got you. You know it when all your belief before the Father is based on the Lamb. You know, people who have fear of judgment are not made perfect in love, the Bible says. Because when you're made perfect in the love of the Father, there is no fear of judgment. It's absolutely astonishing to think that God's got nothing on you because of the love of the Lamb. It's a treasure. So again, the kingdom of heaven's like a treasure. It's hidden in a field. A man found the treasure and hid the treasure and for the joy over the treasure. He goes out and sells all that he had and buys the field. Do you know what I just saw yesterday here in your city, this beautiful property that you all have purchased, that you all are building out? You know, that's the field. That's not the treasure. The real estate is not the treasure. The treasure is the love of the Father displayed. The treasure is you all as, as a community uh, sitting and fellowshipping and, and eating and drinking and, 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 and being thrilled with the love of God. And, and letting people know they're embraceable, they're lovable as they are. See, the treasure is to know, my goodness, something thrilling. And notice the treasure moves you to find revenues. You know, revenues are added to you. Income is added to you. Prosperity comes to you when your heart's overwhelmed with the treasure of love. And it equips you then to buy real estate. You know, this guy bought a piece of real estate without appraising the real estate he appraised the treasure it's like people say to me when they see in this magazine somebody asked me the between the services he says man that's 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 a cool campus he said how much was that I, he said i said two million three hundred fifty thousand he said that's a lot i said it is a lot it's a hundred dollars a square foot for the land the building and everything was fully furnished he said did you know what it was appraised for when you bought i said no i didn't care I said, I value the treasure, and I'm going to buy a field. 
He said, well, to get a loan, did you have to appraise? I said, yeah. He said, how much did it appraise for? I said, it appraised for $4,250,000. He said, would you sell? I said, never. Because I'm not into anything for anything natural. I'm into something for the treasure of God's love being displayed. See, the beautiful thing, this guy understood the value of the treasure and it moved him. Let me ask you, is your heart moved? When's the last time you've been so astonished you've done something crazy like buying a beautiful property and building it out? See, this is why I believe, really, Pastor Paul, I believe somehow the astonishment of God's love is going to so saturate people that every, every, I don't even know what you paid, I don't know what you need, but I know walking through the thing, you can't do what you're doing for nothing. Somebody's got to be providing revenues. I'm believing that there's going to be such an astonishment with a treasure of the love of God that everything's debt-free, paid off, that surprises you, overwhelms you, and, 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 and yet the city becomes a buzz with, man, what's this liberty thing all about? Well, the liberty is understanding you're in Christ and you're good to God because of the Lamb. So let's sing, let's dance, let's have a party. You're good to God because of the Father's love. Give the Lord a shout, somebody. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. And this is why we have to talk of his wonderful love. So Jesus responded when he wanted to be seen by not showing his life, but by showing his death. You only understand the kind of love of God when you understand what the cross has done and then you step into Christ. And faith moves you from yourself into himself. And that's the beauty of looking to the cross, looking to the Lamb. Every time I see a cross, I'm astonished. I say, you've got to be kidding me. You know, read that whole passage in John 12. In Jesus' response, when he talked about his passion, he talks about his death. He talks about if I be lifted up, I'm going to draw all people unto me, all men unto me. Think Now, this is from God's perspective. In Christ, God did a complete work to reconcile the whole world to himself. From God's perspective, it's done. All we got to do is accept it. And when the thrill of that treasure is known, people can respond and receive this massive love of God. Talking about stepping into something. Let me tell you a little story which might... Uh, might help you. You know, to me, it's like appraising the value of love. Now, I know how to appraise the value of something natural. We could get online, figure out exactly how much this costs or how much it's worth, how much the sound system's worth, how much a keyboard's worth, how much a chair is worth, how much a car is worth, right? We can appraise the value of natural things. And we do that to, to barter and to trade and to buy and to sell. And that's great. But how do you appraise the value of God's love for you? What's it worth? What's it worth to wake up in the morning, even when you've been bad, even when you know you're naughty? What's it worth to wake up and say, you've got to be kidding me. I'm right with God because of the Lamb. How do you value that? You know God valued you before you valued Him, and He paid a price for you called the blood of the Lamb. And He overpaid. He overpaid enough for the whole wide world and then some. It's unbelievable. He reconciled everything to himself. It's awesome. But how do you how do you how do you get how do you get astonished enough to step into Christ? You gotta you gotta see 
Jesus as a treasure. And you're not going to see that in the life of Jesus. It's not strong enough. That shows you God is good to you. It's in the death of Jesus. That's why wherever I preach the cross anchors every equation of anything I'll ever declare. And when I'm teaching on marriage, when I'm teaching on money, when I'm teaching on family life, when I'm teaching on whatever, it's anchored in the love of the Lamb. And then everything else just filters out from it because otherwise you're going to get into a, a works-based worldview that's based on you and you're just not that good. <laughs> Neither am I. Thank God. None of us are good enough in and of ourselves. Our sufficiency is insufficient. But his sufficiency is abundant. Hallelujah. And this is the love of God in Christ. Let me tell you a little story. Uh, many years ago, Heidi and I, we were preaching uh, in, 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 uh, in Europe. And then we were going to Africa or someplace. And so... Uh, we were in Paris, I remember, preaching, and then uh, we had to get to Amsterdam to catch a flight to wherever we were going. And We took a train from Paris to Amsterdam, but you went right through Brussels, Belgium. Now, I had never been to Brussels in my life. I've never been there since. I was there one time in my life. But when the train was stopping there, I told Hyde, I said, you know, we could, if you want, get off in Brussels and spend about six hours here. And then go on to Amsterdam and still catch your flight and see another European city. Would you like to do that? And she thought, oh, that'd be cool. So we thought, okay, this is a down day of ministry. This would just be a good way to have fun and, you know, have a cup of coffee, walk the streets, hold hands, be nice. You know, they're just, just a fun day. So we got off the train in Brussels. We got on one of these double-deck buses, a bus tour thing. We saw the city with headsets, you know. They, 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 they tell you what everything is. And they took us through a section of the city that was like old cobblestone streets. And it was little shops, little quaint antique shops and antique jewelry shops. Now, my wife loves antiques and antique jewelry. So I thought, well, why don't we just walk in this antique section and window shop? Because if you window shop... You know, it's, it's not costly. Uh, it, 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 it can never do you any harm. If we stay on the outside, all is well. And that way, uh, my wife will be happy, I'll be happy, and I won't have to spend any money. And all the men said, amen. Okay, anyway, so anyway. <laughs> so anyway, we have our coffee, you know. And, uh, you know, I can look in a window of all this jewelry. You know, there's, you know, scores and scores of pieces of jewelry. I can see it all in about 15 seconds, you know, that's yeah, awesome. Heidi looks at every little thing. Every little thing. And I'm standing behind her saying, oh dear God, move her on. Hallelujah. Bumper to the next window. Lord, we got several blocks of this. Have mercy on me. We can't handle all this. But she'd look back at me and then I'd smile like I'm having a good time. So anyway, she's looking through everything. Then we go to the next window and she looked through everything. Okay, then we go to the next window. Oh, it's wonderful, Heidi. This is just a beautiful day. I'm just loving. This is magnificent. Then we get to the next window and all of a sudden Heidi says, Oh, Keith. And I said, Oh, what? She said, oh, look at this little ring, this little antique ring. It's got a couple diamonds on it. Look at the setting. That is so beautiful. And I said, Heidi, I don't see anything in there I like. I can't see anything while you're so excited. Oh, no, it's right by this necklace. See that pearl necklace there? I said, oh, yeah, that's lovely. Now, I, I saw how my wife got excited and astonished about a treasure. But the treasure can't totally control you from the outside. 
In fact, you don't even know the full effect of the treasure just by seeing Jesus from the outside. you got to step inside. So I had a decision to make. I had to be bold enough to step in even though I didn't know the price. Even if I didn't know I could please my wife. Even if I didn't know if she would be depressed if we left with nothing. So faith gets you out of yourself, but faith draws you in only when your heart's been thrilled, thrilled with a treasure that draws you. So I opened the door. You know, Jesus is the door. He said that, right? He said, I am the door. I opened the door. You step into Jesus. You step into the door, and suddenly you find yourself in him. You're in Christ. So this paints a picture of what happens when you believe in the death and risenness of Jesus Christ. You step into the love of the Lamb and you say, you got to be kidding me. And then you're in there and you're in the midst of all the treasures. You know the Bible teaches that all the treasures of God are in Christ? It's amazing. You step in and suddenly you say, you got to be kidding me. Then there was a guy in there like the little shop owner. He's like the Holy Spirit. See, when you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit now writes on your hearts, gives you promptings. And I said to the Holy Spirit guy, I said, sir, I said, in the window here, there's a treasure. My wife really likes it. It's a little ring. Do you mind if I see it? He says, certainly. He comes over, gets the ring out of the window, and puts it in my hand. My, 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 my. Treasure's different in your hand. You know, you can see treasures on billboards, treasures in magazines. But when treasure's in your hand, you say, wow. You know, Jesus says to touch him, says hold him, says handle him, says feel him. You know, Jesus invites you in him in such a way that every part of your craving is satisfied. I took the little ring. I put it on Heidi's finger in her whole face lit up. She said, oh, Keith, I love this ring. And I thought, oh, goodness. What am I going to do? Because I didn't know the price. So I said to the shopkeeper, I said, sir, my wife likes the little ring. How, how much do you want for the ring? He said, well, it appraises for $750. I said, well, that's it may be worth 750 to you or somebody else, but I'll give you 450 I always negotiate, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, because I was broke, you know. And uh, anyway, we negotiated a little bit. I bought that ring for like $450. After I preached this, Heidi didn't know what I was preaching today. This morning, when I finished preaching after the first service, she said she has that ring in her suitcase. So I'm going to have her run, get it after the service, and I'm going to sell it. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I'm going to, we're going to auction it off. Hallelujah. We could auction it off and put all the proceeds in Pastor Paul's church. No, we, we won't do that, because then I'd have to go buy another one. <laughs> anyway, so she liked it. Anyway, we bought it that day. Now, even these days, a few decades later, 20, 25 years, however it's been, every time she wears the ring, I remember her happy face. 
Do you know it's like when you step in to see Jesus and you think, my goodness, it's not knowing Jesus according to his life, it's knowing him according to his death. I'm good to God. That's the way Jesus wants to be seen. He got me out of a system that's based on me and put me in a system that's based on the obedience of one. Wow. I step in by faith as rotten and no good in such a low life as I am in my flesh. I'm suddenly transformed with newness of life. And my righteousness before the Father has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the love of the Lamb. And then the little areas in my life that I've struggled with through the years, I keep looking to the love of the Lamb. And I'm still being transformed. Hallelujah. But the beauty is letting your heart be so saturated with God's love and acceptance of you that you'll step in. That you'll enjoy His company and be thrilled with the goodness and grace of God. So I would just want to encourage you on this Palm Sunday... Look to the Lamb in your Good Friday service. Look to the Lamb. You know, in, in Luke 24, Jesus, the week later, on the day of his risenness, after he presented the blood to the Father, comes back to the earth in a resurrected body. Remember, he shows up. He shows up with a couple of his disciples walking on the road to Emmaus and they're depressed. Haven't you heard of all the nonsense that's happened in Menominee? All the stuff that's gone wrong in Jerusalem is what they're talking about. Their own life, their own world. So Jesus walked with them. He's with them. They saw him physically. couldn't know him. See, Jesus doesn't want you to know him according to his life. He wants you to know him according to his death. So what Jesus did is he preached his first new covenant message. Because the new covenant starts with the cross. And Jesus preached his first new covenant message. And he took the old covenant to explain the new covenant. The Bible says he took from the law, from Moses, from the prophets, and from the Psalms. And he preached concerning himself. You ought to read Luke 24. It'll excite you this week. He preached concerning himself from the old system to show the types and shadows of the new revelation. And the Bible says their heart got warm while he preached. But they still didn't know him from the outside. So you know what Jesus did after a couple hours of preaching? He sat down and he broke bread. He had communion with them. And you know, the Bible says as soon as he broke bread, their eyes were open. And they knew him. And then the Bible says Jesus vanished. Here's the beauty. See, the love of the Lamb in the death of Jesus reveals God's love and acceptance of you. And that's the way God wants to be viewed in Christ. Through the love of the Lamb. This is why I take communion a lot. This is why I love taking communion. This is why I love taking communion with my wife. And I, I'm not even spiritual about it, even though I'm a minister. I don't go read a bunch of Bible verses. I say, Heidi, here's the cup. Here's the bread. Even if she's depressed, even if I'm nervous and fear-filled about life and circumstances and issues or whatever, I say, here we are. God is love. And his love's consumed us in Christ Jesus. Let's eat of his body. Let's drink of his blood. Let's celebrate that we're eternally accepted in the goodness of God. Husbands, you can do that with your wives. Wives, you can do that to your husbands. And you don't have to live perfectly to accept it. You accept it anytime. Anyway, anytime you look to the love of the Lamb, I tell you what, everything about you will change as you get addicted to God's love and grace for you. Well, praise the Lord. I preached too long. You all have a good time? Give the Lord a shout, somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.